0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Podcast: The show that we talk about life's problems. that may break or tear our hearts apart. my heart with to life's problems to reconnect our hearts back to the way He originally made us. I am your host, Brother Prater. I'm so glad you are able to join us. If you have any questions, comments, if you just want to listen to the show, feel free to call us at 516- 453- Nine one one eight. That's five one six four five three nine one one eight. Or you can listen online at www.blogtalkradio.com dot com forward slash reconnect my heart. Or you can go into our chat room which is on our website, and it's available right now. You can ask questions, comments, or leave your prayer requests. I would like to say a huge hello, hello, hello to my church family, True Believers, Tabernacle Church, where our senior pastor, Pastor Aldous Logan, if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, feel free to come and worship with us. We are at 4204 Cardinal Drive, Dallas, Texas 75216 Once again, I would like to thank each and everyone who are tuning in and thank you, thank you, thank you for your continued prayers and support. Yes, yes. Excuse me. A subject that many people go through but avoid talking about the death of a loved one. Grief is something that we will deal with in our life. On this show, we have. As returning to our show, Minister Bradley Vincent to talk to us about grief, about life expectancies, and also tools to help us during grief and much more. Right now, I would like to welcome once again on our show, Mr. Bradley Vincent at this time. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing
2: great tonight. How are you doing, Brother Prater?
1: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I want to, uh, for those who may be listening to this show for the first time, uh, Mr. Bradley is a returning special guest. Uh, he came two previous times. Uh, first time he spoke about uh, finances and now uh, the, the second time he spoke about grief. And, and now what we want to do, we want to kind of... Uh, kind of reopen up the subject about grief and whatever other questions that you may have that you want to, uh, ask, uh, minister Benson, uh, we op- we're open to all questions. And uh, I just want to thank minister Benson for the opportunity to come back and just love on us and also to feed us. So I want to thank you.
2: Oh, yeah. I really appreciate you giving me an opportunity to come back and, and serve your audience and, and the uh, Christian community and those that are, that are seekers right now, too. We have a word for them, too. So we're just uh, yeah. happy to be here and uh, be able to share with you and hopefully we can give some people some tools that can help them on this journey.
1: Yes. now I, I was in it. It seemed like right now it seemed like there are more people that are grieving now or maybe people feel free to acknowledge they're hurting or they're going through, you know. Um, does it seem like that? Does it well, seem like that to you?
2: Well, I, I think it's now that I'm a griever, so to speak, I notice it more. It's kind of like, okay. you know, when you buy a certain kind of car that's a certain color.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
2: all of a sudden you're like, man, everybody got a car that looks like this car. Yeah. You know, you, you just notice it more because now that car is in your life. And you know what Mm -hmm. your car looks like. And Mm -hmm. I think grief can kind of feel that way too. I mean, because I I serve the grieving community now, which I wasn't doing before my grief started. Um, So it does look like it's a huge community um, to me. But I think Mm -hmm. the community has always been there. I'm not really sure if people are more open about it or not. uh, Mm -hmm. But I definitely have more exposure to it now. And social media, you know, I mean, social media just actually – shows us more things that were already there. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I think uh,
2: how people use social media has changed. You know, Facebook is more like somebody's journal now versus a way to get in contact with friends. So people Mm -hmm. are expressing more things and grief is just one of those things that are being expressed more now, but there's a lot of stuff going on in our world, man. So a lot of people are hurting in different ways and hurting spiritually, hurting mentally. So Uh, Those things kind of being uh, kind of bubbling up into the conscience of other folks just to be more aware of it. So there could be a little bit of that going on too. Yes. yes,
1: And also even how you said about um, right now people using sometimes social media as a journal or a diary. I think a lot of times people are actually crying for help. And I know some people, they knock, um, Social media, especially you know Facebook, some people feel that you know well some people they put all their business on Facebook, but to me, I look at it from a different perspective. I look at it as that's a cry for help, and I think that we need to be more if you want to say more spiritually in tune and just be pay attention to people because a lot of times you know my way of expressing you know what I need help, I may be able to tell you in a way where you can. Understand, but then there are other people who may not have that kind of vocabulary and they telling you from the best way that they can. And so, I think a lot right. of times, yeah, yeah, I didn't mean to cut
2: off. I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead.
1: No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. You know, pe- people need help, people looking for help. And I think a lot of time, people, you know, we're not being funny, but sometimes we even hear it in some of the churches, you know, uh, I wish Facebook would get off the air. Well, I wish they wouldn't, you know, it just depends on, you know. And I will say it like this: most people that's not on Facebook are not on Facebook, but but right, right. Um, I think that's really a cry for help. And I think, you know, we who are spiritual should be sensitive in the spirit to recognize when there's a cry for help.
2: Yeah, there's a level of discernment when you're on the other end of receiving or looking at people's grief or heartache online. But, you know, and, and I've learned this as I've been growing through my grief and healing through my grief is that grief wants to be witnessed Mm -hmm. and people's heartache wants to be witnessed because heartache can be really isolating. Now, Facebook and other social media is just another tool. I mean, back in the day you wrote letters or you went Mm -hmm. by your neighbor's house and sat over a cup of coffee in the kitchen and cried about whatever was wrong with you. And then, you know, you might write a letter to like your closest five friends or, you know, you might get on the phone with somebody. So, You know, you can look at Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff as just another version of the telephone. So instead of calling up one friend, you call 50 friends at one Mm -hmm. time. Now, like any other thing, it can be misused. It can be Mm -hmm. overused.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: People can use it. Yes, I've had a grief experience, but I'm going to use it to, you know, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but get famous for my grief or get extra sympathy for my grief and make me feel special a little bit because I'm grieving and people might share this picture of my loved one that passed away. And so there's all kinds of reasons and there's motives and everything, so to speak, but, you know, a level of discernment, you know, you want to have a heart to serve and mm-hmm. try to serve everybody that you can. And if they're, you know, if they're using it for the wrong motives and you're serving them, You're at no fault for that because you went in trying to serve them. Um, So, you know, it's a little bit of all those things, man. And I see a little bit of all of that in the grieving community. And, you know, because people are people. People are going to be who they are. And they're going to grieve within their personality. They're going to grieve within their moral compass. You know, so it's kind of how that is. Yeah, but I, you know, the Internet is like money. You know, kind of as you said, I I talked about money before. It's amoral. So how you use it makes it good or bad. It's not the thing Mm -hmm. itself. There's nothing wrong with Facebook as a thing. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you get bad people that use Facebook, they're going to do bad stuff with it. You got good people that use Facebook, they're going to do good stuff with it. You have naive people that use Facebook, and whatever they put in that can be turned in either direction. So you just have to kind of take it with a grain of salt and look at it uh, from the eyes of serving and do the best you can.
1: Yes. Yes. Now I want to ask you this. Um, do you think we, as, as a, a church, do you think that we, uh, talk about grief or uh, do we, do we need to shed more light on to it? Or if we're not talking about it much, um, why is that? Why, why we don't hear much about grief within the church? Uh, and I can only speak from personal experience, and I
2: haven't been in a lot of churches in my life, but I, I've, I've uh, ministered to a lot of people that are grieving. And mm-hmm. people have church hurt for all different kinds of reasons. Uh, some of that church hurt has come from being a griever in the church, and then the church not responding to that person's grief in a way that that person felt they should have responded. And to be quite mm-hmm. frank with you, I mean, speaking to other chaplains, because uh, I, you know, I talked to other chaplains that serve in churches and serve in other places. And one chaplain told me, quite frankly, he said he feels churches do a pitiful job handling grief and bereavement. And I was like, wow, that's kind of harsh. And he said, but think about it like this. What happens? They have a funeral on Friday or Saturday. They clean the church up on Sunday morning and right back at it. They might mention the person that died that Sunday or they might not. Uh, if that family returns to the church, the church may or may not mention them. There's a little bit of isolation within the church. And, you know, and churches are filled with regular people. And, and people don't know how to respond to somebody that's grieving. Do I go mm-hmm. hug on them all the time if I didn't hug them before they had their grief experience? Now do I need to avoid them because they might not feel like talking to me? And it's all these different things. Um, and there's, you know, I, I think, I don't, I don't want to say churches are places that lean toward making you feel good about everything, but there's not a lot of talking about the hard issues of life, especially mm-hmm. things that most of us will deal with as a whole, such as grief. And uh, I know the grief and bereavement ministries of church are lacking, uh, just even with following up with families that have had a grief experience reaching out to them on the anniversary of, their, of their, the loved one that passed away, sending them a card on the holiday saying, hey, I know the holidays are hard. You know, is there anything extra we can do for you? And so there's all these different things that the churches could be doing. Uh, some churches do, some churches don't. And I hate to use an umbrella statement for all of churches.
0: <laughs> but, you
2: know, sometimes we lean to the spiritual so much that we lose the practicality of what people are going through. Um, Mm -hmm. And and grief is one of those things I mean, quite honestly If you love, you're going to grieve And in most cases You're going to grieve someone Or somebody's going to grieve you eventually Mm -hmm. So that's something Mm -hmm. that we all experience So the church can do more To, you know uh, Shed a light on it And help people through that process So yeah, I think the (laughs) church could be doing more You know, um, but yeah
1: I don't want, want to say this disclaimer now uh-huh. we're not putting down church we're both myself oh, no, and no. minister we are ministers, and what we're doing we're kind of shedding light so that way we could be able to start implementing things to help the people which would also help our churches we got to right. be able to know where we need to develop in so that way we could be able to be the fourth functioning churches that God called for us to be.
2: Right. And on a practical sense, uh, I was reading a study, and this was not long after we had our grief experience, uh, Mm -hmm. which we can go into a little bit more later, but I was reading this study because I'm a, consider myself a learner researcher by nature. And a study came out that said about 40% of the people that leave the church the church feels that they might have backslidden. They might not have been engaged in church. They may have moved. But what's really happening is that these people are having grief experiences and the church is not addressing it. Mm. And so Mm. they just kind of fall out of church, you know, because I'm going to tell you from a personal point of view, I mean, because we're going to be open and candid tonight, Mm -hmm. you know, um, the funeral of my loved one was in my home church. And my church didn't do anything wrong, but I'm just saying for several weeks going to church, it was just hard to be there because that's the last memory I had of my loved one.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And now, mm-hmm. you know, is there is there something the church can do to help me get over that? I don't know. But to even acknowledge that that's a thing within the church, it would be helpful. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. there's just things that a griever goes through um, that the church may or may may not be aware of. But if there's things that a church can do beyond the funeral and beyond talking to me a few times after the funeral, you know, maybe in the following weeks, but nothing in the following months, nothing in the following years, you know, just kind of you go through a few weeks and the church keeps rolling on down the road. And honestly, you're kind of stuck emotionally for weeks or months. And you and the church just feels like it just kept on moving. And you're sitting there, and it's like, wow, you know, who am I now? I'm I'm this new Christian now. I'm this new person now that also is grieving. So how do I handle that? And I come to church, and I'm crying. And I'm not crying because of the sermon. I'm crying right. from the trauma, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's, it's this whole different kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, but there's, you know, and in in administratively wise, I think the churches, you know, this could be something that churches can really look into in their bereavement ministry to put something together for those that are in their church that are grieving. You know, mm-hmm. if even there is a, you know, um, I call it a care calendar. Where, okay, so-and-so had grandma died on, you know, February 14th, you know, Valentine's Day.
0: (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. you write
2: down brother Smith or sister Smith passed away today. We need to make sure on the 14th of every year or somewhere in that week, we reach out to the Smith family to see how they're doing. Because trust Mm -hmm. me, the Smith family is going to remember the date that grandma died.
1: Wow.
2: You see what I'm saying? And then mm-hmm. for the holidays, say, so, hey, you know, just reaching out, just want to see what you guys are doing for Thanksgiving, what you guys are doing for Christmas. You know, we know the holidays are hard. Here's a little pamphlet. Here's a little brochure. Here's a little book that we found and maybe be to help you through. So it's those little things where the church is still engaged with this grieving person, and they're kind of, you know, watching them through the healing process. And the person is like, okay, my church is thinking about me on this level not necessarily on, am I attending church? Am I giving, am I still an active member of the men's ministry? They're, they're serving me as a whole person. So this is something else now that I'm bringing to the church. I'm bringing my grief to the church. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so uh, there's just practical things that can be done with that. I'm not saying all churches are not doing it. A lot of churches are doing it. Um, you know, I I know for a fact that churches are doing it. We, we, uh, we were going to grief classes at our last church, you know, so I know our churches do it, um, but, you know, there, there needs to be more of it. and needs to be addressed at a, at a, at a deeper level.
1: Yes. Yeah. And you brought us some beautiful, beautiful um, tools, some uh, points that we can need to implement. Um, and a lot of times, not just within the church, you know, even if your church, even if you, have a home church and they're doing it. It's fundamental, but even as a believer individually, we all could be able to do those things. You know, especially the the point you made about the calendar. You know, that's something that a lot of time we we kind of think about, but we don't write it down. And so, being right. able to write those things down, even pertaining to the anniversary of someone's uh, death or even an anniversary of uh, a wedding and there's a widower, right. there's a widower, you know, moments like those, you know, monumental moments, you know, we can right. write those things down, you know, and really just reach out or even just stop by. Cause sometimes right. we don't have to say anything, just somebody's presence, you know, let you know that, you know what, you know, you were thinking about them, you care.
2: Right. And, and it's, and what was amazing, what was, uh, you just made me think about something, you know, cause I, I went to a seminary and, uh my, my loved one passed away while I was in seminary, and I went to the, the seminary chaplain, and I told him about it, and I went to him for counseling and things, and what was so amazing, and it just it just dawned on me just now, one of the offices at the school that I had only a minor contact with, but I knew some people in the office, they emailed me the week of my granddaughter's birthday, and they said, you hmm. know, we're thinking about you this week. We You know, we know times like this can be hard with with the death of your loved one and we're just reaching out to you to let you know we're thinking about you and praying for you. That meant a lot. It didn't have to be a phone call. It didn't have to be somebody showing up at my front door, but it's just the idea that I had someone that lived that's now gone and someone else is saying that person mattered.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You know what I mean? And for, Mm -hmm. for my university to take the time out to do that, meant a lot you know so yeah so I mean and, and
1: little things like that can go a long way
0: mm-hmm. Hmm.
1: now one of the things that you would bring it up in matter of fact uh, for those who um, have not heard Minister uh, Benson before we want to make sure uh, before this episode is over with, we're going to give you contact information where you can follow him you can reach out to him Um Actually, uh, he had a he has a program on uh, Facebook Live that uh, he had, and it was speaking about you know preparing for life's sudden impacts. And one of the things I always say this, that I don't mean to say this in a cruel way, but I say this: I say death and funerals are two of the most inconvenient things that can happen in a person's life. You know, it's not like you schedule. For the death of someone or a funeral, you don't schedule for that, you know. And sometimes you may have your plans, you may have plans made, but all of a sudden, when you have to deal with the death of a loved one, uh, or even go to a funeral service or wake or whatever, you know, those things take priority, and it's like everything else, you just wipe it off your schedule, and so oh, yeah. just, yeah. just. You know, I I was thinking about it the other day, you know, I ended up having to go to um, a couple of funerals. I can't remember how many funerals I had to go to um, in the past, I think, month or so. I went through a lot, but that's something that, you know, that's something that I don't regret. And so when you look at it, how sometimes things happen in in our life that, you know, sometimes that are very unplanned, but... What do we do What are some things do we do to be able to
3: Prepare for,
1: for Life's sudden Impact
2: Yeah I mean And, uh, and, and I'm going to give you this I'm going to give you some scriptural reference first And, uh, and I'll, I'll speak on this other I've actually added a little bit to it But let me, let me speak on this first Because the scriptural reference Is actually from Job mm-hmm. And uh, I personally consider Job Um the most extreme case of non-divine suffering recorded in the Bible. Um, Outside of Jesus himself, I don't see anybody else in the Bible that I can recall that suffered as much as Job. Uh, Mm -hmm. This man was broke, sick, loss of relationship and grieving all at the same time for over a year as the Bible Mm -hmm. records it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so you look at Job and, you know, Part of the part of Job uh, that people usually talk about, as far as everything happening to him, is uh, Job first chapter, right around verse 13 through 22, when Satan gets permission from God to come in and take all of Job's stuff, and then after that, you know, God gives Satan permission to take Job's health, and then we go a little bit deeper into the chapter, and this is when the process of Job getting redeemed by God starts to happen, and it has some rough spots in it. But um, this is, this is a, a, an extreme case, but it, but it shows that nobody can avoid suffering, and suffering will come. If anything, if you're a believer, the Bible pretty much guarantees something's going to happen to you. you know, mm-hmm. And being on, on the winning team overall, something's going to happen to you on this side of eternity. So what do you do to prepare yourself for that to happen? And, you know, I I use – and I'll just jump right into it because I want to have some time on the other end of this to answer questions and have more discussion. So I'll kind of skip the little story that I tell that that precedes this. I'm going to get right into the guts of it. Now, but I will say this is that no matter how much you prepare, it's not prevention. Preparation is not prevention. You are not good enough for something not to happen to you. You're not so bad that everything's going to happen to you. The good, the bad, and the redeemed all died on crosses on the same day. So they all suffered. So we're all going to have something. So I just want you to keep that in mind. But the acronym mm-hmm. that I use is Rick. WRECK. W-R-E-C-K. W-R-E-C-K. WRECK. And The W, I call that worship. And we have to put ourselves in a habit of worship. And worship is simply honoring God for who he is. And as we all know, it's easy to worship when things are going good. It's easy to go to church when things are going good. It's easy to pray Mm -hmm. when things are going good. Job himself prayed for his children just in case they did something God didn't like. Now imagine that. He didn't even know if his children were sinning. But he said, God, just in case my children do something that don't honor you, forgive them. Hmm. And all this still happened to Job, and God still allowed Satan to take his children. So we have to have a heart for worship. we got to get worship within us. we got to make it a habit. And things that are habits we do even unconsciously just comes out of us. And we see here again with Job, when tragedy struck, Job grieved. He first showed signs of grief. He shaved his head. He tore his clothes. He actually tore his robe over his heart to symbolize the, the, the wrecking and the, the tearing and the wound of his heart because he was hurting. But then he fell to his knees and worshipped. And all of this he still worshipped. And we have to remember, you're going to, you know, it's football season. Everybody watches football. You're going to play like you practice. So if you practice worship, if that's something that you do, when it's game time and the sudden impacts of life happen, you're going you're gonna to hit the ground running with, with worship. Now, let me preface this before I even go into the next steps. All these steps I'm giving you, these things are not going to instantly come to you when your grief impact happens. I didn't pray for days, maybe even for weeks, honestly, to God in a way that wasn't Grief stricken or After after my granddaughter passed away I felt like I didn't have anything To give God but my grief But that's kind of a the pain of grief God will take that too You know what I mean? But in my pain of grief I felt like well, I don't have nothing to say to God all, he, all I have to say to him is how bad I'm feeling But he wants to hear that too But the worship that was already in me And working in me Kind of pulled me closer to God and had me Be able to give that to them you know what I
0: mean Now
2: So and so we have the W For worship and R Is right relationship And what that means is salvation Committing your life To Christ yielding to His will understanding His mercy helps you understand That you're blessed regardless Of your Circumstances You're blessed by your relationship you Have with him now, within all these steps, this is probably the most – now, it, it ain't probably. This is the most important step, period, right relationship with God. And all the stuff that I teach, all the stuff you're going to hear in anybody's church, anybody's lecture you're going to hear, salvation is the most important thing. Because when all this is said and done, your relationship with Christ is what matters. So you've got to get that right. And only reason that's the second one in my lineup, because I couldn't spell wreck with an R on top. <laughs> so right, right. right relationship is the first thing. Okay? Get in the right relationship with Christ. Because you, when you're on the winning team and you realize you're going to win in the end no matter what, and eternity is a lot longer on the other side than it is on this side, that won't make the grief any less right off the bat. But it does help in your healing because you know there's another side to this, and you know because I'm in right relationship with Christ, I will see my loved ones again. So that that's that's the glue in all of this, having right relationship. And then there's E. So you have W, worship, R, right relationship, E, exercise your faith. What are you leaning on? What are you believing God for? What are you trusting God for? And that, I, I always tell people about the Noah uh, thing and when I talk about exercise your faith. Because Noah built an ark without even knowing what rain was. Right, right, right. And we don't yeah. speak to that a lot. Mm-hmm. Job trusted God without ever seeing him. There was no Bible. There was no Jesus. This was before Jesus and they believed. So what are you leaning on? What are you trusting? What do you believing God for? What are you trusting him for? You know, what's real in your life? What is the foundational path you're walking on that's going to get you through this? And hope and faith, without those, it's hard to get through this. Because impacts in life are tough. Whether they're just little fender benders, I call them, or life-altering impacts. It's hard to get through them if you don't have faith and hope. Then we have C, community. Now, outside of your relationship with God, which I believe is the most important, I also believe that God puts people in our lives to lean on and help us in times of our distress. Now, these are good people that that he puts in our lives, and building quality relationships with quality people is just good preparation for hard times. It's just good for a good life to have good people around you. And in this instance, I, I put a pen here and I stop a little bit, and I, I want to talk about when I usually talk to people in the grieving community, one of the, one of the core threads that run through this in a practical sense, because grief is very isolating. You almost hear to a person, not everyone, but you hear this a lot, oh, this friend fell off. This person don't talk to me no more. These, these people don't understand me. And I have them. I challenge them. And I want to challenge the other people that are, that are listening right now. If that person loved you, I mean, this person was so close of a friend, they were like a brother or a sister, even closer than maybe a blood relative. This person loved you and cared for you. And then your life's sudden impact happened. Wouldn't you think that person might be grieving who you were before you had your life impact? And they just don't know how to respond to this new person that you are. Because trust Mm -hmm. me, you're new. You have changed through your life impact. And you have this dear friend that you feel has left you or don't talk to you anymore. Could it be that they're grieving and they're grieving the old you, the you you used to be? And I tell folks all the time, yes, grief will change your address book. But I want you to relook look at that old address book you had before your grief event or before your sudden impact and call up some of them people and say, hey, you know, I know I've changed because of my life impact. And I just want to ask you, is there something that you're going through because of my life impact? And I want to reconnect with you. And I bring this up because I also talk about what I call closet friends. And what I mean by closet friends, they're not secret friends. and They're not friends that you don't want nobody to know about. But these are the friends when you're in your closet and you're on your face and you're weeping and you can't get up and you can't eat and you can't sleep at night. And then that text comes or the knock on the door comes or the phone call comes. And it's that friend on the other side that drags you out of the closet and takes you to lunch. Or gives you a good word. Or just, hey, hey, come out here and walk around the block with me. Hey, talk to me for a little while. That's what I mean by a closet friend. And I'm sure that some of those closet friends right now waiting in the wings that you feel that may have left you, but they're just grieving. And I'm, they may not be grieving what has impacted your life, but they're grieving the you you used to be before that impact. So I want to encourage you. And I want to challenge you, if you're grieving right now, to go back and give some of those dear friends, those potential closet friends, another look and reach out to them. And just kind of see and have some conversation about who you are now and what could be going on with them as it relates to your sudden impact. So we have W for worship, R for right relationship, E for exercise your faith, C for community. Then we have K, keep the word Hidden in your heart. When you have scripture as part of your life and your vocabulary, you'll have a good word for yourself when times get hard. Because you might not have those calls of friends that's going to call you all the time, or you might have the cloud of grief between you and God, where you can't really feel Him, but He's there. But that's 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 another little thing. But He's always there. But that cloud can be between you sometimes, and you can't you can't see Him, you can't feel Him. But then sometimes you got to encourage yourself so what kind of word do you have hidden in your heart where you can minister to yourself now I have some of my own personal scripture but here, here are a few that I like to just give people that I may be able to help them jeremiah twenty nine and eleven plans I have for you to prosper you not to harm you to give you hope in a future Genesis eight and one and a lot of people are like well how did this apply how did this one apply but Just listen to it, and I'll explain a little bit. And God remembered Noah and the animals and caused the wind to blow across the earth, and the waters receded. Now, a lot of times when you're grieving, you feel like you're drowning and you can't breathe. But if you can just put this word in your heart and think about how Noah was just out there floating, and he don't know if he's going to ever see dry land again, and then God remembered him. And blew across the earth, and the waters receded. And sometimes when you feel like you're drowning, just think of God blowing across this water that you can't breathe through, that you're struggling with. And he drives it up. And you can stand on top of the mountain and look out over this thing. And then John 11 and 35, which a lot of people argue is the shortest scripture in the Bible, but it's so deep and impactful. Jesus wept. And that's a powerful verse, and you talk about churches and how they handle the grief a lot. But this, this, this scripture versus being something easy to teach children, uh, you know, to memorize the scripture and things like that, it's so deep that people don't really give it, it's, it's just due. Jesus wept. Think about that. So why did Jesus weep knowing that he was going to raise Lazarus? People don't really think about it on that, in that way. Why did right. he weep? And he, and he knew he was going to raise Lazarus. He wept because his heart was touched from the loss of a friend and from the grief he saw with Mary and Martha. He was touched by their grief, just like he's touched by our grief. And that's comforting to me to know that Jesus wept, that he had this human emotion, and he can feel me, but he knows what I'm going through. So I know that when I'm weeping, that Jesus weeps with me in my my loss and in my grief of my granddaughter. And that's a powerful statement to know that Jesus wept. And so that's the acronym that I use to help people when they have a sudden impact. Now, if you're already, and I get get asked this question all the time, what if I'm already in my impact? This acronym works for you too. they are just pointers that you can use to help you heal. How is your worship life? How is your prayer life? Are you in right relationship with God? Do you have a relationship with him? And I urge you to have one if you don't. Reach out to me. Reach out to minister prayer. Reach out to your local pastor, someone that you trust, a mentor, and let them show you the, the path to Christ. Are you exercising your faith in the midst of your grief? Do you have a community around you, an earthly community, a friendship community, a church community, are you keeping God's word hidden in your heart? So this works to prepare you for an impact that will happen, but it also works if you already had an impact. Now, I'll say this, that impacts are going to happen. They're going to happen. So what are you doing to prepare? What are you doing to bolster yourself up and keep yourself grounded in the midst of it? Now, I'll say this one little quick thing about Scripture one more time. It's not overly important to remember the exact book, chapter, and verse. But if you know, if you kind of know that word, can, you know, you don't have to know exactly where it came from in the Bible. But if you're studying it, if you're going to church, if you're reading your Bible, if you're going to Bible study, that word is getting in you. And it's becoming part of your vocabulary. Um, but just, you know, don't misinterpret it, don't misquote it. But you know, but but have it in your heart, you know, and kinda know roughly what to look for it at. But knowing the exact cha- the exact chapter and verse, that's not as important as having the word hidden in your heart. So I just want to encourage you in that way too. Don't make it academic, but just just get in the word. And so those hmm. those are the that's that's the five little part thing where I, I tell people on how to help them with sudden impact. Now I have another little acronym that I use to help others that have had an impact that didn't have a chance to prepare, like children. And I can go into that one later, but I want to kind of keep the floor open and keep the discussion going in case people may have questions. I don't want to uh, keep them waiting too long if they have questions.
1: So far, there are no questions being popped up. Uh, You can you you can go ahead. Um, Matter of fact, I I want to say this right. I want to say this real quick before you get into that. This is something that was so important, and it's funny that um, we kind of, you kind of brought it up last night. And I, was, I always talk about this with my Sunday school teacher. Mm-hmm. But for those who are listening, who are grieving, don't let anybody get to you to make you feel that you have "quote unquote" sin or done something wrong because you are grieving. Right, but also for those who are not grieving, who are trying to help or encourage those who are grieving, don't be like Job's friends to try to find out, trying to analyze why they're grieving. Unimportant. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, you're very right. Because um, First Thessalonians, that's that's where that scripture comes from that people uh, misquote all the time. Um, and he's saying, "Do not grieve as a non-believer." He's not saying that grieving you are a non-believer. He's saying, "Do not grieve as a non-believer and those that have no hope." And that's what the scripture in First Thessalonians is actually saying. It's not saying grief within itself makes you act like a non-believer. Um, and what I mean, and, and to get a little bit deeper on that, what he's saying is that don't grieve as someone. That has no hope Don't grieve as someone That doesn't know Jesus right. Grieve But don't grieve like people that don't know Jesus Because you know Jesus So grieve but know There's another side to this thing There is a resurrection that you can believe in So once you go Through death's door On the other side Is eternity So don't grieve as someone that has no hope Grieve but grieve with hope That's what it's saying uh, yeah, and people misquote that all the time and misinterpret that all the time. So I thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, But um, yeah. the acronym that I use for those that are dealing with children that have had a sudden impact, uh, which, which my family falls into, and I'm sure a lot of others do also just from uh, serving this, this community. So what do you do for those that have no idea that impacts will happen? Now, as believers, we should already know the impacts will happen. So I'm not talking about us, but I'm talking about maybe some of those what I consider babies in the faith or even literal children. So what do you do for those that didn't even know? I don't, you know, they've had an impact and they don't know what to do. So you're on the other side trying to help this person that has had an impact. And I use this acronym is really for children, but it'll work for non-believers or those that are young in the faith. And the acronym is HELP, H-E-L-P. H, be honest and have the hard conversations. But as I said, dealing with children, you got to be age appropriate, you know. Children are very afraid that their heroes, the adults in their life, cannot control anything. And when sudden impact happens to a child, that's like, wait a minute, my, my parents can't control everything? My parents couldn't have prevented that from happening? And so it kind of shakes their world up. So we have to help them, but we got to be honest with them. We got to help them understand that bad things happen, but also to not be afraid, not be paranoid, not be anxious for things, but bad things will happen. And just be age appropriate with that. E, express yourself. You must model healthy grieving in front of the children. Though you're grieving, you got to take cues from that first acronym that I had you know you got to keep worshiping you got to keep praying you got to have faith you got to have hope now that's that's kind of hard sometimes because you try to figure out well what level can I grieve before children now I want to put a word of caution here because sometimes we tend to have children grow up too fast when the families had a shared impact like you know, daddy died or mama died or one of the children died, they have siblings. And so the surviving I, I hate to use the word surviving, but those that are those that are left behind, those that are still here. The adults may go so far in their grieving, and now the children have to care for the adults. So you gotta kinda watch out for that. But I mean healthy grieving. It's okay to cry in front of them. It's okay to say, I'm sad. It's okay to say, Let's talk about this. It's okay to tell them. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel bad. So that's what I mean by express yourself. And just have honest, healthy grieving in front of them. Then L, lean in and love. You have to show more affection because if you go back to that first one I said, the honest, hard conversation, the kids are afraid that their heroes, the adults in their life have lost control because something has happened bad and the adults in my life, didn't prevent it. So now we got to lean in more and give them more caring touch, more hugs, being more present. we got to give them that security blanket back, and we got to lean into their lives more. Um, you know, and, and a counselor friend once mentioned to me, and he challenged me with this statement, when was the last time you thought of what you were thankful for? Because I was telling him, you know, about the things, and he said, when was the last time, that you thought of the things you're thankful for, you know, spending that extra time with the kids and giving them more affection, you know, kind of leaning and love them. Now I have a bonus L that I added in just from life experience, because after I created this acronym, something happened in my life uh, with my grandchildren that had me add something else to it. And that extra L is let them lead. Sometimes the children in your life will have something they want to do to remember the person that has gone on to be with the Lord or to do something. And we got to be willing as adults to let them lead, not always protect them, not always think, oh, no, that's going to make you cry. You don't want to do that. Let them lead. Um, And the actual situation of the let them lead that happened to my family, my grandson wanted to see – Uh, some of his sister's belongings that we kept here at the house and they're they're tucked away in the closet and he said hey can we bring out some of my sister's belongings and look at them we're like okay and so you know but that's something he wanted to do so we got the tissues out you know we just -hmm. just prepared for it you know got the Mm -hmm. tissues out sat on the floor with them opened up the box and we looked through them and we smelled them and we talked about memories and looked at the toys and things like that and yes, the tears came, but it but it blessed us that we're expressing our grief in such a healthy way that we we've, we've taught him that tears are okay, they're part of the grieving process, they're part of the healing process, and so him seeing us cry was nothing strange, and him seeing us cry was not, "Oh, something's wrong, I got to fix it." It was like no this is, this is part of the process so it really it really helped us to give him that space to lead us into something that might make us sad, but also made us happy to talk about little funny stories and things. So that was a real blessing for us. So let the children in your life lead, son. Let them lead. Let them bring up ideas of things to do for that loved one that is going on. And follow their lead, allow them to do that. And then P, patience. We got to be willing to tolerate, I know it's a tough word, but we got to be willing to tolerate where they are in their grief journey with grace, without anger or extra sorrow of our own. Because we got to remember, if a child has had a sudden impact, especially if they're young, under 10 or under 5, as they age and mature and they, they tend to have more abstract thought their grief is going to change. And so the grief of a five-year-old is different than the grief of a 10-year-old. It's different than the grief of a 15-year-old. It's different than the grief of an 18-year-old. So maybe you've gone, you know, you're an adult when it happens. So you're, you're further down the road. And some of your wounds may have healed. And the grief might be changing for you a little bit. And the memories are getting better. And now this child just turned 12. And their grief is coming back in a different way because they're 12 and they're thinking about it different. You got to be willing to circle back and meet them where they are in their grief. And we got to have patience with that. And a lot of times as adults, I don't think we realize that. We think, oh, we're all on the same track to grief on the same path. So, you know, grandma died. The kids were five, you know, five, And so now I'm 65 and the kids are 10 or 15, we're all 10 years down the road. We should all be 10 years' worth of healing. No, this child is now 15, and that abstract mind of a 15-year-old is a lot different than the abstract mind of a 10-year-old. So they're going to grieve over again as a 15-year-old, and we got to be willing to go back and revisit that trauma and relive that trauma through their eyes and the understanding they have at that age. So we need to be prepared to circle back and meet them where they are. No matter where we are in their grief journey, we got to be willing to circle back and meet them where they're on their grief journey. So that's the HELP acronym when we're dealing with children that have had a sudden impact. H, be honest and have the hard conversations. E, express yourself, which means grieve in a healthy way. L, lean in, love, love. And let them lead sometimes, and then P have patience. So that's the help acronym that I use when those that are are dealing with children that have had such impacts. So I hope that that helps some people also.
1: Yes, yeah, and you know what? I'm glad you said that the help part because, um, especially with the patience, I didn't know that until a couple of weeks ago. I was talking to someone that I knew, and they lost a loved one at the age of 10 years old. The person died when they were 10. Now this person that was 10 years old, that person now, if I'm not mistaken, that person is going on 39. That person, they're grieving differently, but what caught my attention was At 10 years old, that person was kind of shut off. That person didn't know how to handle it. But now, even at the age of them being 38, going to be 39, even though that person that they love passed away years ago, now this person is grieving in a way and they're wondering how to handle that. A lot of times they were so used to avoiding that particular right. subject, that particular grief. Right. But a lot of time, from the outside looking in, some people will say, oh, well that happened years ago. They're right. not paying attention. They're not paying attention to that person. So I'm so glad that you said that because a lot of times we overlook that because it happened so, so many years ago. Um, that person is okay, or they assume that that person is okay. Right. Matter of well, fact. What's, what's was, funny. Go oh, ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go, okay. ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. What, what's funny is
2: that grief is going to have its time. Period. Grief is going to get its time. So you can't do enough projects. You can't do enough shopping. You can't do enough avoiding. You can't do enough whatever you're doing to prevent grief from having its time. So mama died and you avoided it and you swept it under the rug because you had to raise a family and be a wife to your husband and you let work keep you busy for 15 years. Then all of a sudden you might get sick and you got to sit at the house and not go to work. So all that little stuff that kept you busy and avoiding your grief is now gone. So you mm-hmm. sit at the house with the flu. You know, something like that. You just got the flu, and you got to stay in. And grief catches you by yourself, and you wonder what what happened. It's that grief is going to get its time. And I tell folks all the time that avoid joining grief groups. There's a great group called Grief Share. Uh, I'm on the board of a grief organization called Compassionate Friends. There's a group called uh, Bereaved Parents of the USA. And there's all kinds of groups out there. But people are like, oh, I can't join that group yet because my grief is too raw. And someone – and this is not mine. I'm going to steal it one day, but this is not my thought, but it was a real good one. Someone told me, they said, if you fell down and broke your arm, would you wait for it to heal before you go to the hospital? And obviously, Hmm. unless you're crazy, no, you go right to the hospital, right? Right. So now you have a grief experience and you have a broken heart. And you're going to wait for your heart to heal before you try to go get some help. Hmm. And I was like, wow. I said that was deep and powerful. So why are you going to rush to go to a doctor with a broken arm, but you don't want to rush to try to get no help with a broken heart? You want your heart to heal on its own because you feel your grief is too intense to try to get help. So I want people to think about that stuff, too, because grief is going to have its time. You can avoid it for 30, 40. Grief is going to have its time. So it's best to lean into it, have hope. Grief's path, especially for believers, I feel at some point will lead to some form of healing. Mm -hmm. But you got to get on the path. You can't be off the path. You got to be on the path for it to get you there. And avoidance is not going to help you.
1: Hmm. You know, we can never assume that time is going to heal wounds. <laughs> no. That's to yeah. me. I'm gonna tell you like this. I hate to hear people say that. Now, some people say that they mean well, but time right. does not heal wounds. No. I always tell people it's what you're doing at time. It right, helps. time alone does not heal wounds. You're exactly right. Right, you're right. Right, right. You know, uh, I saw this years ago. Um, everybody know. Pretty much everybody knows Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix, if I'm not mistaken, I think he passed away in 1970 or 1972, something like that. But they had an interview with um, his drummer that was real good friends with him, Buddy Miles. And so they had an interview with him before Buddy Miles passed away, and he was just talking. And it was like maybe uh, maybe 30 years, maybe 35, 40 years had passed. Um, since Jimi Hendrix passed away, that they were interviewing uh, Buddy Miles, and as they were talking about Buddy Miles, he had to stop the interview because it was hurting. He missed he missed his friend, and I think that was the first time I actually really just saw, wow, that happened years ago, to right. a good friend who passed away, but a lot of time what we were saying earlier, some people say time will heal wounds, and matter of fact, even had a close friend of mine tell i mean uh, he ended up um he lost a son, and he said that um every day that goes by uh there's not a day that goes by that he don't think about his son. He said that um it gets better, but he has his moments, right. but he said that he'll never be the same right and I can't say, well, I know how you feel, which we have to be real careful what we say to people because if yes. you've never been in that situation, then you need to keep your mouth shut, just listen. You right. know. But well, um, Go ahead.
2: Well, and, and, and think about it. There's a lot of things I said I felt when I was on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm on this side, I have to realize that a lot of people are still on the other side and I have to have mm-hmm. grace toward them. So it's, it's a give and a take. If mm-hmm. you're not mm-hmm. grieving, there's some protocol you need to follow and some things you need to be sensitive to. But then if you are grieving, because I'm on this side of it now, if you mm-hmm. are grieving, there's some things that we can be accountable for and show some grace to those that are not on the same side of the fence we're on. Because to be quite honest, I I don't want nobody to understand what I'm going through. Because if you understood, that means you have a shared experience. And I don't want nobody to know what this feels like. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's okay that you don't understand. I'd rather you didn't understand. Because I know how it is on this side of it. And so, uh, but I also... Can have a level of grace for those people that don't understand and don't know any better and misquote scripture. I'm actually going to do a a Facebook live about what the Bible didn't say about grief, what God <laughs> didn't say, all the stuff that you know church people and well-meaning people say about our grief experience that's not biblical. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe that'll give them supporters on well to interpret this scripture properly and, and don't say stuff that was never in the Bible. But anyway, right, right. But, we, but but as a griever, I have to have grace for them because I was one of those people. I was mm-hmm. one of those, God needed another flower. I was one of those, well, it's going to be okay, give it time. I was one of them people, and I meant well, and I loved the people that I was telling that to. But now I'm on this side of it, and I know better, you know. And I don't want other people to have to experience what I experienced to know better. That's part of the reason I do what I do so I can show them how to be better, what I'd experience and what I experienced. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
2: so, mm-hmm. so that's why I speak to the non-griever as well as the griever, because I think we all need help in this area.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, th- this is um, a question that really has kind of been lingering on me for uh, for some time. How do you prepare a child who may not know anything about death, uh, may have never been to a funeral. Um, How do you prepare a child? And at what age? And what are the signs that you look for to see if a child is um, mature enough to be able to go to a funeral and you talk to the child while the service is going on all those steps. Um, can can you really just kind of let the listener audience uh, let them in on um, just tools to look for to see if the child is ready or mature enough to handle that type of uh, subject matter?
2: Yeah. Now, I'm not a child psychologist, uh, but there's mm-hmm. some things that I that I've studied and picked up on. Um, age appropriateness for funeral. I can't honestly speak to it. It's kind of a child-per-child child thing. I wouldn't mm. have a toddler at a funeral because I don't My. think they understand. I don't think they really know where they are. So I wouldn't take babies to a funeral. I'd, I'd figure out something else for that. But as you My. get into the six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10-year-old, anybody that's preteen, I guess is what you're asking me. Because, mm. you know, yeah, teenagers, yeah. you know, they, they should be able to be. Um, at that younger age, kids are really black and white yes and no, you know, good, bad, stuff like that. So if you say, okay, grandma died, grandma's not coming back, a little child is going to see that as, okay, and they're going to keep it moving. There's no abstract thought, there's no nothing. And so they get to the funeral and they see grandma's body and they see you put grandma in the ground and things like that. You got to be able to have that honest conversation with that child about what they're seeing because something that was so powerful that uh, a very dear friend of mine just told me last week, and she runs a grief camp for children, excellent camp called Camp Agape. You need to look that up. It's excellent for children that have had a grief event in their lives. But anyway, I was talking to her, and, you know, kids are very black and white. Yes, no, good, bad, you know, that kind of thing. And so there was a child at the camp, and they were asked, you know, and it's a biblical camp, hmm. and they asked the child, oh, so so-and-so is in heaven. Oh, no, they're in hell. They're like, oh, okay, let's, <laughs> let's talk about that. Because to a child, a child has, that has been told, heaven is up, hell is down, and they saw their daddy get put in the ground. Hmm. Children are, children are very black and white. So you put my daddy down, that means daddy's in hell.
0: Hmm.
2: You see what I mean? And so mm-hmm. you have to really, don't just take a child to a funeral, come home and eat chicken, think everything okay. You have a responsibility when you're dealing with children in that, and, and that funeral scenario to explain to them what they're seeing. you know, and. And you can use age appropriate, you know, the spirit separates from the body. The person that you love, yes, it's a symbol of them, but their spirit is with God. You know, they're, they're gone up to heaven, you know, or, you know. And so you can, but you have to be ready for that. And you got to get out of yourself and meet that child where they are. And if you don't think you can do that mentally and spiritually, because the funeral is a hard thing for everybody if you don't think you can do it justice for that child, either in close relation to that funeral event or soon thereafter, don't take the child. You know what I mean? Because there's no telling how long it was between that little child, the funeral of their father and that grief camp. And they helped that child work through that and understand what was really going on because they had a counselor there and, Kind of explain to the child separation from the body And things like that in terms that that child Could understand But just imagine that child Had never been told You know Or explain the process of a funeral and what they're seeing and what that Really means And they just thought because the child knew, You know knew what God was And heard about heaven heard about Hell and their black and white Good bad yes No brain said Oh, they put my daddy down, so that means my daddy's in hell. You see what I'm saying? Because it was never explained, and that child was living with that all that time, until they got the grief camp. You see what I'm saying?
0: Hmm.
2: So, so we have a responsibility for the children in our lives to explain that stuff. Um, you know, and that made me kind of rethink. You know, did I do a good enough explanation to the children in my life about the funeral that they went to? Now neither one of the children actually sat through the whole funeral and all those kind of things. But, uh, but they, you know, so we, they did a little bit of it, but not the whole funeral, but anyway, yeah. So mm-hmm. you have to really, you got to really be prepared for that. And, you know, if if you're not prepared to go through the whole process of making the child understand, don't take the child, mm-hmm. and, you know, cause I, I would rather not be at the funeral. I mean we would all rather not be there. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I
0: mean? Mm-hmm.
2: So uh so to take a child through that with the with the lack of real understanding and lack of explanation is doing that child a disservice. And you know, and we've all done that through all the ages. So I'm not blaming nobody, but it's right, more so right, when you right. know when you know better you do better. You right, know what I mean? Right. Uh my grand my grandfather died when I was fairly young. And my parents didn't take no kids to the funeral They just figure, Hey kids, kids don't, you know, old school kids don't go to funerals.
1: Right. Right.
2: Right. And then, you know, but it was like granddaddy's gone. Granddaddy's gone to be with the Lord. That was kind of the end of it. You know, it's just in, in, in certain times you get, you, you learn and you do That's, that's just the way it is. And so uh, if we're in an age now when more kids are going to funerals, we need to really take the time to explain that to children. So that's, that's the best answer I can give. If you're not prepared to explain mm-hmm. what the child is going to see and experience, don't take them. Yeah. That's kind of what I, what I, that's my rule of thumb.
1: Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, because the reason why I wanted to bring it up was because I know my cousin, my cousin has a daughter that's about 23 days older than my son. And so. My thing was, I was going to just, whenever we would have to go to a funeral and I had my son, uh, I just didn't take him or I didn't go. But my cousin, I saw her engaging with her daughter and just, I remember they were at a casket and they were just, she was kind of talking to her in her ear, just showing and, and just, telling her things, and I was like, man, you know, um, I need... From the, for the beginning, I kind of pushed it off. I said, well, I'm going to wait because I want to talk to her to see what she said. You know, what was she what was she telling her daughter? So that way I could be able to maybe just talk to my son, but also just kind of seeing the personality because they had two different types of personalities. So right, right. I, I, I wanted to make sure that um, when the time did come for me to be able to Talk to my son about it, and of course, I wanted to speak to my son's mother about that too, because that's the opportunity for us to really have to come together and really just tell our son uh because of life's uncertainties and right. so um so now, my son is at the age he's uh twelve now when it when it down to it, he can go to a funeral he understands better. But like you were saying, when we were growing up, there was no questions. You were just told, and that right. was it. <laughs> right.
2: Well, and then, you know, it just dawned on me just now. Now, it's all to the person. It's all to the child. Because in our situation, uh, our grandson, uh, because his sisters had passed away, he needed some closure. And he wanted to see his sister again. And that was his last opportunity to see her, was at the funeral, you know, and so. Uh, but that's that's the only portion that he was, which could, and most people would think that could be the most traumatic portion of the funeral is the viewing. Um, but he was able to view his sister and say goodbye, um, and then he understood, you know, what what the cemetery means, and understood. You know, that's just her shell. Her spirit is with God. So we were explaining those things to him. But he, he had to have some visual closure, you know. Uh, and, you know, it, it was very emotional for him, even at, the age, even at the tender age that he was. So you have to kind of judge that per child. But you got, you got to really be, be there to support them in that. Because, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like that let them lead kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's like, okay, well, the kids will be there, but they're going to be in the nursery in the back, you know, because all the adults were gone. All the family was coming, and nobody was able to not go because everybody wanted, you know, because sometimes it's logistical. The kids have to be around, you know what I mean? And so, mm-hmm. But, you know, have them somewhere else. Have them in a side room. Have them in a back room. Maybe, but, but you have to really, I, I think, really more care and thought really needs to go to the children in those situations. Now, I'm saying this mm-hmm. now, two years later, because that day, <laughs> I don't know where my mind was at. I don't remember half the funeral. I don't remember the stuff. I, I mean, because you do, you do funerals in the fog. And so uh, me mm-hmm. saying, oh, think about the kids. Talk to the kids. That could be nearly impossible, you know, because all the emotions you're going through. But it's just something to think about. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: yes. you get an
2: older teenager that you might say, Hey, you know, if you if you're not going to the funeral, if you're considering not going to the funeral, can all the kids stay at the house with you? You know, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. You know, but just logistically, you know, kinda but really give those things some thought and but it's it's hard to think about. And, you know, it's just it's just hard. It's a thing you don't want to do, but it's it's something that, you know, it's part of the process, so
1: Yeah. Yeah, and especially, you know, like you were saying if they wanna go. Now matter of fact I remember um many times I did ask my son, uh, do you wanna to go to a funeral or do you want to go to a wake or something like that? And uh, from the very beginning he would say, No. I said, Okay, okay, no problem, you know. Um I didn't want I didn't want to force him. Now, um me personally and this, this is just me, but uh growing up, um when I was six, I believe it was six, uh, I got locked up in a funeral home. I got locked up in the funeral uh-huh. home and and uh I'll never forget it was Cedar Crest Funeral Home that's over there off of uh Lancaster. Uh we went there one Sunday. Uh a couple of family of ours went there on a Sunday right before they closed. And we went there to see this minister that passed away, his name was Reverend Edwards, never forget. Uh, this was eighty this is eighty four, if I'm not mistaken. Um We went there, and I saw the casket, and I kind of moved around, moved around from the family, just kind of walked around, and then I saw, I thought there was a church, and come to find out, I didn't know what the chapel was at the time, and I saw it, and I ended up running, and so I tried to go back to where my family was, and they all were gone. The lights were out. Now I'm screaming and yelling, and I heard them outside, oh, oh my gosh, June is in there. We locked June in there. And I vowed never go to a funeral again. So my situation as a kid, I avoided funerals and uh, funeral homes because that traumatized me. And uh, my first time actually going to uh, uh, a funeral willingly other than death of my best friend was my cousin back in 90, um, I sat in the back and sure. I didn't go to the front and I sat in the back and I literally uh, had my head on a, a first lady um, throughout the whole service. But after that, um, first time going to a frontal after that was in 96. So for uh, 12 years, I avoided going to a funeral and all that. So I just wanted to share that because I didn't know as a child really the process and the steps and all that stuff. So like I said, my situation as a preteen was totally different. So me learning how to help a child or even dealing with my own son, or if I have any children in the future to be able to really just kind of uh, coach them or really just support them. That's new for me too, even as a parent, because my experience was totally a tra a tragedy versus how others, out of hand. So I just wanted to share that. So I thank you for even um, sharing that with me, because not only that would help me to be able to even just pinpoint and help my son me talking to him about it but also that it even helps me because there are some areas that i'm i missed growing up and experiencing those things right but well, i appreciate that, that thank you yeah yeah so what we're gonna do look like there's no questions uh right now if you don't mind uh right before any um prayer, if you don't mind us, if you don't mind leading us in prayer, right before prayer, if you want to have some closing remarks, but also after the remarks, please give us your contact information. As a matter of fact, if you can give us the contact information after the prayer and everything, but in right. um, the closing remarks and just whatever the Lord lay upon your heart to share with us.
2: Yeah, I, I want to give you some more Quick uh, scripture and Just one little quick thing To remind us all And it's in James I mean James is one of the very powerful books of the Bible I'm actually studying there right now As part of a, a Bible study with some men From my church But in the first chapter of James In the first 12 verses We hear James tell the tribes That have been dispersed And they're running for their lives Right And they're going through real persecution. I mean, being killed for the gospel because they believe the gospel. And James tells these tribes, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet the trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And a lot of times we see the trials in our lives that's hurting us. But... James is telling us, let, let these trials make you better. Let them get you closer to God. And the trial of grief and the testing of your faith through that will make you stronger. And it's hard to look at the worst things of your life as being good. And it's hard to count it all joy. I know it is. I'm living it. But knowing that the testing of our faith, is to make us more like Christ. It's just that little balm for our wounds and that little extra piece of hope for our for our wounds. But I want to give you a quick understanding of what testing means, real quick. And testing was being talked about here in James, because you have to relate it to the time that this was. And he's talking mm-hmm. about silversmiths testing silver. And how you test silver is you put it all in a pot and you put a hot fire under it and all the impurities raise to the top. Then you scoop the impurities off and cast them away. Then you light the fire again, heat it up again. All the impurities rise to the top. You scrape them off and you cast them away. Now, how the silversmith realized that the silver was finally pure is when they looked into the pot and they could see their own reflection. And that, that, that just blows me away. So now look at it this way. So when you have all these trials in your life and God is testing you through that fire, he's purifying us. So when we go through all this testing and all the impurities are cast away, then God can look down in the pot of our lives and see himself. And that blessed me so much, because through all this testing, all this fire, and all the impurities being burned away, God can look down and see a reflection of himself. And that's the goal that God has for us through all these trials that we go through. So, yes, it's hard to count them as joy, but know that they are for something. They're for something that will make us look more like Christ. So I just want to leave you with that. And I'll pray us out real quick, and then I'll, I'll give you my contact information. I just thank you, God, tonight for those that were available to to just hear God. And I pray that they were encouraged, that they were given something that they can use, God, to help them on their journey to healing. And whether these people that, was, that I called in or that will listen to this later are grieving right now or trying to support someone else that's grieving, Or have no idea what grief is yet God, I just hope this word helped them in some kind of way To help them prepare their lives God, for the trials that will come Because if they love you God, trials are going to come And I would just rather Have a trial in my life Already loving you And having hope in you Than have a trial in my life And don't know you at all, God So in all of this, God I just want people to get closer to you, God have a relationship with you, God, and I hope that I represented you well enough, God, that people can just come to you, God, and lean on you. And with all these things, God, I just want you to put a special blessing over this program and over Brother Prater, God, that he's out here trying to serve your people. I just want everybody to be blessed and just be secure in themselves, God, and to be loving on you and to know that you're there for them, God. And all these things, we ask in your son, Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.
1: Amen, amen,
2: amen So I thank you all for coming out tonight man. I thank you so much for having me with you And uh, I, I want to give everybody A link to my Free book It's free uh, It's a little book I wrote called Good Grief Why Believers Can Grieve With Hope
0: mm-hmm. And
2: if you, mm-hmm. go, if you go to my website I've set up a website for the book It's at goodgriefbook.com Good Grief. Book.com. You go there, the book is there, click the link, and the book will be sent to you. It's an it's ebook, so you can just download the book from there. Now, my information uh, I'm on Twitter at Bradley Benson, just my name spelled out, B R A D L E Y, V I N S O N. I'm on Facebook. Um, I try to accept all the friends I can, uh, but I'm there, but my, but my page is freely open. So you can just go there and look at the different things that I post uh, on Facebook. If you do a search for me, Bradley Vinson, uh, you'll see me there. Um, I think on Facebook uh, my name is uh, Bradley V because somebody else might have Bradley Vincent, but look look for me there, Bradley Vincent. Um, um, that's Twitter, Facebook, on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. That's Bradley Vincent. So all those things are my name except the website, which is Good Grief Book. Dot com, so reach out to me there. My my email is is there, uh, on Facebook you can private message me, uh, and just tune in on Tuesday nights. Uh, like uh, Brother Prater said, I am uh, I do Facebook lives on most Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Central. I don't keep you long, probably half an hour or less, and just give you some good tools to you know while you're on this grief journey to give you some things to help you heal. And if you're there just to get pointers on how to help other people that are healing. You want to support your friends and your family members that are on the grief journey. I have some things for you there too. So uh, tune in, join us there. I love to see you. And I just thank you for having me. I'm I'm really, uh, I really appreciate you just giving me access to your audience and I know you're out there serving the community and just uh, let me join forces with you and and serve some people, man. So I really appreciate that.
1: Um, My honor, I really thank God for what you're doing. And also I thank you for um, praying and, blessing us, and I pray a special blessing on you all. Um, Like I said, for those who don't know, um, if you can check on the archives, uh, you can listen to some of the previous podcasts that he's been on. Uh, Very, very blessed, gifted uh, young man and young couple. um, Spoke well about grief, but also even about finances, So uh, which in the future, we're gonna have you back real real soon as a reminder, just in case those who might have um um may need a a friendly reminder or, or hit the reset button on their lives or maybe even be introduced to how to be able to even uh get their their finances uh be a better steward with their finances but I really thank God for you, and I pray that God open up many doors for you and I thank you for your transparency and I don't really like to say this about a a whole lot of people, especially if I don't know them, but for those who I do know, I do believe in just being open and being just being real. Um, For those who may be listening, I would encourage you all to check them out. They're, They're a blessing to a lot of people in our lives. So I thank God for you. I pray that those who may have been listening, been minister to, and I thank you for listening to Reconnect My Heart Podcast. God bless you, and good night.